Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Run. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today. Welcome aboard, welcome aboard, welcome aboard. It's one of those days, my peeps. It's one of those days. But anyhow, let's go ahead and get busy one time. I see AVQ is here on Twitch and as well on YouTube. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started with some of the things that he brought forth. Before we get into the program, we have a pretty extensive program for you today. Michael Rudden says, hottest ocean temperature in history recorded last year. Ocean heating driven by human-caused climate crisis, scientists say, in six consecutive year record has been broken. Warmer oceans, waters are helping supercharge storms, hurricanes, and extreme rainfall, which is escalating the risks of severe flooding. Heated oceans water expand and eats away at the vast Greenland and Antarctic ice sheets, which are collectively shedding around one one ton tons wait one i don't know tons of ice a year i don't know what that the tn mean i I, i'm not sure what that means with both of these processes fueling sea level rise more than 90 percent of the heat generated over the last 50 years has been absorbed by the oceans temporarily helping spare humanity and other land-based species from temperatures that are catastrophic one trillion tons is what michael says that means anyhow folks that's what we are looking at. It's terrible, 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 terrible. Anyhow, continuing with, with what we have to say here, uh, let me make sure that I got myself on the system, guys. One quick second here. Yes. All right, let's continue. Let's continue. Okay. Bank of America is cutting overdraft fees. Really now? Folks, if you're just joining us, please remember to give us that thumbs up on, on, on YouTube. If you're on uh, Facebook, Twitch, or, or, or if you're on Facebook, give us a like. If you're on Twitch, just share it. If you are on Twitter, share it and go ahead and make sure to follow Egberto Willis. Please follow Egberto Willis. Anyhow, Bank of America is cutting overdraft fees. Bank of America said it is slashing the fees it charges customers who overdraw their checking accounts and plans to eliminate non-sufficient funds fees entirely. There's an old joke about charging people money for not having any money. The reality of overdraft fees is that rather than being a means for business to stay afloat while running in the red, a convenience of the moment, each instance was putting people further into the hole. I wonder, look, when you see, uh, by the way, let me just tell you, charging overdraft fees is, has been profitable for these banks, okay? Just think about it. And by the way, it was making money on the people who could least afford it. Because those people who have overdraft fees, we can say they're irresponsible. They don't spend their money right. But a whole lot of them just didn't have the money to spend and they overdraft. So that's what it is. And these are the people that were subsidizing a lot of the functions of the bank. I don't know how comes they changed it. I would love to understand what exactly caused the change. It would be interesting to note that. Um, I don't know if the article says that anymore. Check it out at CNBC. Michael Rodden has it there. Additionally, the United States set a new record for COVID-19 hospitalizations on Tuesday with more than 145,000 people in the hospital with the virus. The hospitalizations are driven in large part by people who are unvaccinated, hospital staff shortages, including from health workers being homesick with the virus themselves are adding the problem overwhelmed hospitals are, re are also reduced the quality of care for vaccinated people who need help for non-COVID-19 issues like a car crash or a heart attack. The follow-up article indicates that multiple hospitals are already engaging in triage. 
they are calling it crisis standards of care. It's also known as, uh, you know, throw. What is the word? Death panels. You know, they. If you, if you're, well, we'll talk about that another time. But I, I just had to bring because these are the real death panels, folks, where there's not enough healthcare workers available, and the worst off that be the unvaccinated are no longer getting treated. Last one from Senor Rodnin says as follows. Uh, let's see. States and Health Systems Act. Where is everybody that's listening that's not saying, hey, I'm here, hey, I'm here. Come on, folks, make yourself known so that I can salute you. States and Health Systems activate crisis standards. New protocol as Omicron strains U.S. hospitals. Multiple states have adopted new protocols in recent days and taken aggressive steps to help overwhelming hospitals grapple with Yet another onslaught of patients, this one fueled by the highly contagious Omicron variant of the coronavirus. From halting elective surgeries to curtailing the number of nurses caring for patients to using emergency services to transport the most, what are we transporting? The most severe cases to hospitals. These new actions are intended to triage care for those most in need and maximize the use of limited resources. 94% of Colorado's Hospital beds for acute care were in use, and across the state, more than uh, more than half of the facilities were anticipating staff shortages within the coming week. It is getting bad out there. I'm not going to finish that. Alistair Waters, welcome aboard. Hi all. Roberto Luis, saludos, mi gente. Politics done right. Saludos means hey, hello to my people. That's what he says. All right, folks, don't forget if you are on YouTube, give us that thumbs up. Click that thumbs up. Also, let me go ahead. I tell you what I want to get started with before I get to Dr. Fauci. Norman Reynolds, uno y dos. Welcome aboard. Before I get to Dr. Fauci, I want to play something. I, I, I want to get some of the videos that we did do yesterday. Tom C., welcome aboard from Michigan. Deborah Rivera, watching from Texas, welcome aboard. I want to play something. Uh, the economy is doing great. I want to play this, and then I want to take it on the other side. Very, very important. Let's go ahead and do that, and then we'll take it on the other side. You know, everybody looked at the jobs report and they're, oh, it's, it's a lot less people than, 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 it, than it should be. Of course, we know that all these job reports have been, uh, the, the, the number of people got employed have been going up by quite a bit, much more than what's shown on, as the official initial number that goes up quite a bit, but it's even deeper than that we have a change in the way the economy runs. But you know who gets it? Leesman does. Check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. Steve, walk me through this number. It's confusing. There's two different reports here that people need to know about. There's one report that gets data from the from the employers. Another report where the government calls up people and asks them their status. The number you're looking at right now, that's from the payroll report. That's 199,000. That number has been running very low on the initial reporting. And what they're doing is they've been revising up continuously this initial report. I'll give you an example. They added back 141,000 additional jobs to October, November. The number underneath that number, the unemployment rate, comes from the household survey. I think at the end of the day, Stephanie, people should not be 
overly confused or overwhelmed by the data. The unemployment rate is what you need to know. It tells you the number of people who want to work and the number of people who are unemployed. You had a 480,000 decline in the number of unemployed. You had uh, a huge number of people employed in the household survey. So I think every other piece of data that I see says this job market is strong and that top line payroll number of 199,000 is not going to deter me from that uh, um, from that conclusion because so many employers are saying jobs are hard to get. That quit number you talked about tells me that the labor market is tight and I'm not going to be deterred by that top line number. It is great to see the, the, the worker gaining their independence. A lot of them are working from home. 60 Minutes did a piece today where they saw people just take, they're creating their own jobs. They're, they're, they're mixing and matching different jobs, different employers together that are that giving them 1099 type salaries. Look, it's a worker's world and it should remain a worker's world, not indefinitely, but permanently. Uh, this, this jobs report, Again, it's the jobs report based on uh, based on the employer given wages. What about those folks who've decided to do it a different way? It's it's going very well. So don't be fooled by the jobs report. Don't allow yourself to get the belief that somehow progressives and Democrats and Biden are bad for jobs because the reality is. If you want jobs, if you take a look at under what types of administrations the most jobs are created, let's remember that it's definitely not that of the right. Because again, that methodology creates very little and it transfers much to those who least work for it and least deserve it. Now, the other piece that we were to do yesterday as well, I want to go ahead and play that as well. It has to do with El, El Senor Cruz. I think it's important for us to see transitions. It's hard to believe that, the, that Ted Cruz, this cocky, mouthy, obnoxious senator that somehow thinks he's smarter than anybody else could be made to grovel the way he did with uh, Tucker Carlson recently. Well, you know what? Let's present Ari Melber's instantiation of the three stages of Ted Cruz. This story reveals a picture of the current Republican Party and a warning about the authoritarianism rising on the American right. Republican leaders know Trump is lying. They know how dangerous he is. They know this combination of lies, ego, and emotional temperament can pose a real danger, as Cruz himself warned so he did in 2016. This man is a pathological liar. What Donald does when he loses is he blames everybody else. It's never Donald's fault. Donald, you're a sniveling coward. He engages in insults. I think the people are interested in substance and record. Look, we need a commander in chief, not a Twitterer in chief. The man cannot tell the truth, but he combines it with being a narcissist. The man is utterly amoral. His reaction to everything is to throw a fit. Donald finds it very hard to lose, that, that, that he finds that very difficult for him. That's where Cruz started, speaking there to largely Republican audiences and expressing things that he did not find controversial in the least. When Trump won the nomination, Cruz was still dubious enough about Trump as a potential president that Ted Cruz famously went to the RNC, got up on the podium and refused to endorse Trump. And then as Trump solidified his grip on power, Cruz has publicly completely owned himself. He endorsed Trump. He campaigned with him. He defended every Trump action in office. And then after Trump lost to Biden and after Trump kept attacking the election, something Cruz knew all about from his own experience, it was then Ted Cruz 
who led the futile effort to challenge certification of the Biden victory on the Senate floor. We've seen in the last two months unprecedented allegations of voter fraud. And we have an obligation to the Constitution to ensure that this election was lawful. What does it say to the nearly half the country that believes this election was rigged if we vote not even to consider the claims of illegality and fraud in this election? Conduct a 10-day emergency audit. Consider the evidence. And what would 10 more days of sham reviews achieve? We are hearing from Trump's own White House aides. Cruz was leading a more complex authoritarian play. The plan was simply this. We had uh, over 100 congressmen and senators on Capitol Hill ready to implement the sweep. At 1 p.m., Senator Ted Cruz and Gosart, a representative, started the Green Bay sweep beautifully, challenging the results of Arizona. This week, Cruz referred to that fact of a violent terrorist attack. We are approaching a solemn anniversary this week, uh, and it is an anniversary of a violent terrorist attack on the Capitol where we saw the men and women of law enforcement demonstrate incredible courage. Very straightforward recent historical truth that you just heard him say in his own words on Wednesday drew huge backlash from the right wing big lie movement attacking Cruz or accurately referring to the truth of those crimes, the domestic terror and the violence. Cruz immediately folded, rushing to recant everything in a very sad interview. The way I phrased things yesterday, it, it was sloppy and, and it was frankly dumb. And I don't and buy that. Result, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I don't well, buy that. For, look, I've known you a long time since before you went to the Senate. I do not believe that you use that accidentally. I just don't. It's, so, Tucker, as a result of my sloppy phrasing, it's caused a lot of people to misunderstand what I meant. I wasn't saying that the thousands of peaceful protesters supporting Donald Trump are somehow terrorists. Ted Cruz went from the senator who would supposedly stand up to Trump and the threat that he said Trump posed the lies, the amorality, as Cruz called it, the attack on democracy. He went from that to a Trump supporter, then Trump enabler, then a Trump accomplice in trying to end democracy. And then now, with crimes on the table, he's Trump's chief lying propagandist. It would be ridiculous for me to be saying that the people standing up and protesting to follow the law were somehow terrorists. If you assault a police officer, you should go to jail. That's who I was talking about. I used that word all in 2020 for the Antifa and BLM terrorists that assaulted cops. I wasn't saying the millions of, of, of patriots across the country supporting President Trump are terrorists. I agree with you. It was a mistake to say that yesterday. They want to paint us as Nazis. I'm the one leading the fight in the Senate against this garbage. We Oh, he's leaving. He's one fighting for the American people. Of course, Ted Cruz is only fighting for himself. The only reason he's groveling with uh, with uh, Tucker Carlson is because he wants to be president and he thinks he can only be president if he can get the Trump base to stay with him. So don't be fooled at all, folks. This is a concerted effort by Ted Cruz to remain relevant relative to Donald Trump uh, with the expectation that if he continues to be relevant relative to Donald Trump, that he will own Donald Trump votes and you just have to fight for a little bit more. Here's the deal. The guy was a part of the coup. And as part of the coup, he should be tried and thrown into jail, the key locked away. Absolutely so. There are so many people in Congress, both in the House and the Senate, that need to be locked up for treason. Ted Cruz was a part of it. You heard, you heard what the Green Bay Packer or the Green Bay Sweep or whatever the guys called it. Ted Cruz was a part of the 
and that's why he's been calling it terrorists. He tried to disassociate himself from it. He was part of the entire deal. Okay, let me talk to my peeps and say hello, hello, hello. Alistair Waters, welcome aboard. Roberto Lewis, welcome aboard. Michael Rudnan, Norman Reynolds, Melanie Keelan, welcome aboard. No, you're not late. You're here. Tom C. says, I'm here from frozen north of central Michigan. Deborah Rivera, watching from Texas. Paul Fleming, hit the like button. Thank you. Thank you for reminding everybody to do so. Melanie says she, uh, Rudnan says, hey, Melanie, you're right on time. After all, Egberto will spend some time reading my stuff. Paul Fleming from ATL checking in. Eric Hayes says, this administration predicted death and doom this winter, but can't even get testing done by ramping up production. Look, they, they didn't think they were going to need testing. And why didn't they think they were going to need testing? Because they thought the American people would get vaccinated and that it would mitigate having to invest all that money in testing. And then since we're in a capitalist society where we want to do a whole lot of things, we don't want to we, we don't we want to be efficient so we, we 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 create efficiency by killing people in other words hey if we don't keep store stuff in storage we save x amount of dollars but since we were going to be late putting it out about a hundred thousand people would die from that well that's a good trade-off actually we're a country of 330 million dollars hey we're capitalism man that's how it works the sooner you learn it the better eric hayes also says is fauci in trouble Fauci is not even close to being in trouble. You need to get off those sites. Yournews.com? Are you kidding me? That, that's a farce. That's a conspiracy theory place, man. Go Georgia. How about them Georgia? Hey, I'm good for Georgia. Uh, let's see. Who is this guy? He has a stable job. Uh, I don't know what you're saying, Eric. Go Georgia. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Uh... Oh, Eric Hayes, new business regulations to prevent embezzlement. IRS tells payment apps to report business transactions over $600. Why is that a bad regulation? I don't understand why it's a bad regulation. If you're not doing anything wrong, electronically, it costs nothing for these companies to do that. And at the same time, it prevents the thugs from stealing money from us all. I think it's a great regulation. I, I'm not, I use Venmo. I use Zelle or Zelly or whatever you call it. I use all of them. And I don't mind if they track the, the money to make sure I pay my taxes and everybody else do as well. Hey, we got a new person. Paul Fleming Jr. just became a member. Let's see, for 12 months. Thank you so kindly, Paul Fleming, for being a part of the PDR Posse. And you know I got to go ahead and get that when it shows up here. Let's see if it shows up. You know, we've been having some issues sometimes when this guy, how long it takes us to show that, but I'll get that on the screen before long. Uh, ¿Quién más está aquí para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver, para ver? Hey, folks, join uh, Fleming in becoming a part of the PDR Posse. All right, let's see what else we have here. Um, uh, let's see. I wanted, I don't want to get into other people's conversation. That's why sometimes I... Please explain why any person would still call themselves a Republican when the lies are so obvious. Um, it's called willful ignorance for some. It is called they don't want to believe what they're seeing for others. And yet for others, it is just that they don't give a damn. And when I say it, it is just that they don't give a damn, I really mean that they just don't give a damn. And those are the people that I hold most accountable. I have no problem working with folks, trying to convince folks of what the truth is supposed to be, 
And by the way, folks, I'm going to I'm, I'm trying to um, get into YouTube and pull a few things up right now. But I tell you what I'm going to do right now. I want to play Chuck Todd because you since you brought up about willful ignorance, I want to show you how even Congress people have lost their dignity. Check this out. I want you to listen to a congressman that can only be described as a coward and as pathetic in these serious times that he cannot go against a traitor to this country. Check this out, and then we'll go ahead and take it on the other side. A year ago in a few days, you came on this show and I asked you about January 6th, and you said the following. I'm going to continue to listen uh, to those 74 million uh, voices that voted for him. But of the 74 million, uh, the, the small percentage that stormed the Capitol and engaged in that insurrection that were Trump supporters, I will tell them, there's no place in the Republican Party for you. Here we are nearly a, le- a year later, Congressman, and the former president put out a release today that said to watch Biden speaking is very hurtful to many people. They're the ones who tried to stop the peaceful transfer with a rigged election. Never forget the crime of the 2020 presidential election. Never give up. That's the former president. How did it get so off kilter here in your party? Um, I will tell you, I I don't know. uh, Other than I continue to be a voice to say, if you believe violence and engaging in what happened on January 6th is the way to resolve your dispute uh, with an election, uh, I turn my back on you. What it's going to take, Chuck, is it's going to take leadership. And it's going to take leadership on both sides of the aisle to say, you know what? Enough is enough of this extremism. I have to say, I hear the words, well, it's incumbent on both sides of the aisle. There's one party that seems to take what happened on January 6th seriously, and there's one party that does not seem to. Isn't this incumbent on Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell? It's incumbent upon all leaders in Washington, D.C. to step forward, to condemn rightfully what happened on January 6th, like I'm condemning right now. What about the runoff? I mean, what the former president did. I mean, I look at January 6th, and on that day, I wanted to believe it was a bunch of misled hooligans who didn't fully appreciate what was going on. And the more we learn, it's like, no, there was a little more concerted effort here and a lot more organized effort to try to overturn this election. But it's not 74 million people that voted for Donald Trump, as we were talking about a year ago. A vocal minority of extremists took it into their own thought process and power to do what they did. And to me, that is what has to be objected to. You are a co-chair of Trump's presidential campaign. Do you regret that position now, considering his behavior? No. Why? I I don't, because he brought the disruption to Washington, D.C. that needs to be brought. I still respect the voice that he brought to Washington and the forgotten men and women that he listened to. Would you trust him again with the keys to this democracy? You know, I leave that to the American people. You have a vote in that. Your constituents ask you, I do. are you willing to hand the keys to the democracy to this man again? I want I want to have an open and contest on ideas and inspiration. If President Trump is the candidate that's representing the Republican Party, I will support him. So you're willing to put the, I, I want to repeat what the former president said today, Congressman. He says they're the ones who tried to stop the peaceful transfer of power with a rigged election. He's calling the 2020 election a, a crime. I believe it was a crime. And Chuck, that will be part of the process. You know, this sounds like a lot of elected Republicans I talk to who are afraid of of telling their supporters what they don't want to hear, which is that Donald Trump is lying to them. 
Have you told your supporters that Donald Trump is lying to them about the 2020 election? I'll be very clear with you, Chuck. I believe the election of 2020 uh, was a duly held election. The results were duly certified. You used the word fair just now, but you wouldn't use it in describing the 2020 election. You said duly and not fair. And it's a it's a distinction that I notice a lot of elected Republicans who are trying to appease Trump or Trump supporters say, why do you do that? Well, I will tell you, in 2020, it, it was a fair election in the sense that the rules using COVID were changed and the Democrats were, to their credit, they were much better at getting their voters to the poll. Again, it sounds like you're trying to put an asterisk on the 2020 election, which only feeds this conspiracy nonsense that is wrecking this country. Why did we have what we had here a year ago was this conspiratorial nonsense that leads people to the idea that there's something to this. There was nothing to this. It's not conspiracy. They changed the rules legally. Does it bother you at all that the Republican Party is no longer a conservative party, but a cult of personality right now? I mean, I disagree with that assessment. I mean, uh, I have to give it to Chuck Todd. He really let uh, the Congressman Reid have it this time. You know, several times he appeases Republicans, but this time he let him have it. And what the Congressman has proven is that even at, even in retirement, because I don't think he's serving another term, even in retirement, Donald Trump has a stronghold on them because they're looking at their future. They want to make sure that they do absolutely nothing to disrupt their particular presence in the Republican, uh, Republican establishment. So what's the Republican establishment right now? Donald Trump. I think the only solution ultimately we're going to have is for those that are never Trumpers and the other Republicans that are sensible, that really want to maintain democracy, for them to form another party, a party that of their own, in which for the time being, they ally with Democrats until that separation is needed again after our democracy has once again been secured. Absolutely so, absolutely so. Anyhow, folks, anyhow, Paul Fleming Jr., thank you so kind, senior, thank you so kindly for being a new member of the Politics Done Right, the PDR Posse on YouTube. Folks, just go ahead and click that join button. And since we had that all started by Paul Fleming, why don't I go ahead and take this time out here and do our ask real quickly? Let's go ahead and get all those links. Folks, if you are on YouTube right now, please go ahead and click that join button. Become Follow, follow uh, El Senor Fleming, and I'll put you up on the screen like that as well. Please go. If you're not on YouTube, you can still do that by going to politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Alternatively, you can go to politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon. We need, we need 1,000 uh, members on Patreon and 1,000 members at YouTube. We only have about 300 on e- uh, 301, 125 on the other. Uh, please consider supporting us as well at PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. If you want our books, which talks about, you know, I mean, how, how, how we are going to make this change. You know, a lot of people just throw their hands up in the air. I don't. I believe in making the changes that we need to go ahead and make. So go to politicsandright.com slash books to get our books, politicsandright.com slash books to get our books. And if you want our, our our um, hoodies, our t-shirts, our masks, etc. Go to politicsandright.com. And if you want to find the easiest way to figure out how can I best help Politics Done Right get that message out, we have one link that gives you all the different options that you, that you could dream up 
to support the program, politicsandright.com slash support. Politicsandright.com slash support. All right, let me get back to the screen and start talking to my brothers and sisters again. Para ver qué, vamos, qué tenemos ahora mismo. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Ted Cruz, according to Rudnan, this is Rudnan speaking. Ted Cruz, sniveling coward, bootlegger, trying to start an apology tour. That's what he's been doing, an apology tour. Um, well, actually, it's old news, but I'm using the old news, Eric, to make a point. Okay, great. Oh, okay, Paul Fleming says, please explain why any person would still call himself a Republican. I think I got that one already. Uh, Paul, the GOP only still exists because of the classic phrase, a fool and his money are easily parted. Uh, Eric Hayes says, vaccine don't keep you from getting the COVID and spreading it. Vaccines keep you alive. Which one would you prefer? Please tell me. It keeps you alive. And you, you want to talk a little bit further? You want to, uh, you know, I don't know what part of the brain it is so effective that, uh, well, I won't go there because I won't go there. Norman says, please point to all cops who were injured in a BLM protest. On the other hand, we know of several police officers who were permanently disabled because of January 6th, 2020, anti-democratic coup attempt. There is no equivalence, and all the people who point to equivalence should be ashamed of it. You know, uh, Reynolds, that is the best point you made. Not one police officer was hurt during BLM, but of course... We know why, because we know you heard a police officer, they're going to open up on you. Of course. Melanie Keaton says, thank you, Paul Fleming, for becoming a new member. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, Alistair Waters. Eric Hayes says, should the Super Bowl be moved to Texas based on the rules and such that could put a damper on the fan experience? No, Texas doesn't deserve to have the Super Bowl. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Melanie Keaton, why do politics make me feel ill? Don't feel ill. Feel resolved. Uh, Melanie, let me tell you what I try to promote in the politics. I'm here saying all these things that are wrong, all these things that are not correct, right? But I'm not saying these, this thing to get people depressed or, or divided or anything like that. I, I'm, saying, I'm trying to empower us to say we're going to take our democracy back. We are going to be an effective force. It's not going to happen overnight, but we have to go out there and engage. I'm trying to give folks the impetus, the the, the, the power to say, I am going to engage. I know I'm going to lose a whole lot. I know I'm going to lose battles. We're going to lose the voting rights uh, bill. We're going to lose the bill back better in 2022, likely. They're going to probably pass some little chitty-patty stuff and say, oh, we got it done, but they're not going to get it done because, you know what? I am going to talk about that in a little bit. Hold that thought because I, I, I have something to say about that. But anyhow, uh, let's continue here. Um, Paul Fleming says, how do I post a picture of me and my mug? You it, it, Go ahead and send that picture to me right now, and it, I'll try to get it up. But no matter what, I will get it up. Um, so go ahead and send it to info at politicsdoneright.com. Info at politics. I'll tell you what, better than that, better than that, better than that. Uh, go ahead and, and send it on if, you're on, if you're on Facebook, just send it through that, the, the text messaging thing and I'll go ahead and look for it, chop it up and put it out there. Do it right now and I'll get it up before the day's out. I promise I'll do that. Uh, let's see what else we got. Peggy Lopez says, listening and wanted to say hi, y'all. Thank you, Peggy, for saying hi, y'all. Egberto, uh, PolitiFact check. Vaccinations does more than help prevent infection among the vaccinated. It reduces the chance of COVID-19 spread among the general public. Yes, it does. 
Paul Fleming said, we will have to take the COVID shot like we take the flu shot each year. And yes, people will still die as they do, but this is new normal until science can catch up. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Uh, Eric Hayes says, politics and right with Egberto Willis. You funny as this all-star game was taken from Georgia, hurting low-income areas and give it... No, no, no. It doesn't hurt low-income areas. You know, every time they want to build a stadium, they says it's going to revitalize an area. And they're correct. The stadium revitalizes a poor area that some developer bought for cheap. If you take a look at where the soccer stadium was built in Houston, they built it in a, for, a poor area. So they bought the land for cheap, built the stadium with taxpayer dollars in, in influx. They got a lot of taxpayer abatements to fix the streets uh, that were never fixed before. And they did all these great things. They put condos around the stadium. All of these great things were done. And all the people that used to live there can no longer afford to live there or they can't use the new resources created. You know, I mean, the way the plutocracy just continue to screw the little person, it's amazing. Oh, we're going to revitalize this area. It's no different than gentrification. We revitalize an area and the people who live there got to get out. It's, it's, you have to understand these concepts, folk. All right, let's see. Um, let, 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 me, let me go into the, the monologue that I wanted to talk about. Before that, I want to play Dr. Fauci today. Dr. Fauci made me proud today. I want to play Dr. Fauci. And after we, we, we hit up Rand Paul, I have a soliloquy that I need to get into. So Dr. Fauci, take it away. A planner who believes he is the science leads to an arrogance that justifies, in his mind, using government resources to smear and to destroy the reputations of other scientists who disagree with him. In an email exchange with Dr. Collins, you conspire, and I quote here directly from the email, to create a quick and devastating published takedown of three prominent epidemiologists from Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. Apparently, there's a lot of fringe epidemiologists at Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford, and you quote in the email that they were from Dr. Collins, and you, you agree that they are fringe. And immediately there's this takedown effort. A published takedown, though, you know, doesn't exactly conjure up the image of a dispassionate scientist. Instead of engaging them on the merits, you and Dr. Collins sought to smear them as fringe and take them down. And not in journals, in lay press. This is not only antithetical to the scientific method, it's the epitome of cheap politics, and it's reprehensible, Dr. Fauci. Do you really think it's appropriate to use your $420,000 salary to attack scientists that disagree with you? The, the email you're referring to was an email of Dr. Collins to me. If you look at the email... That you responded to and hurried up and said, I can do it, I can do it, we got something in Wired no, magazine. No, 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 I think in you usual did. fashion... Senator, you are distorting everything about me. Did, did you did. talk with any of those See, scientists but privately? You keep, the, you keep distorting did you? the truth. It is, it did is you stunning talk, how did you, you do Did you talk that? to any of the scientists privately yes. who wrote the opinion? You did. Well, what were they telling you privately? Well, well, let me explain. You know you're going back to that original discussion when I brought together a group of people to look at every possibility with an open mind. So you, not only are you distorting it, you are completely turning it around. You've advocated that your infallible opinion be dictated by law. Right. So, again, Madam Chair, I would like just a couple of minutes because right. this, this happens all the time. You personally attack me, 
and with absolutely not a shred of evidence of anything you say. So I would like to make something clear to the committee. He's doing this for political reasons. What you need to do is he said in front of this committee. You think your takedown of three was, prominent was epidemiologists was not political? You, you don't want me that to finish, but you know what I'm going to say. Senator, that was the question. Senator, Were you political in taking down this, these three point, prominent epidemiologists? Senator Paul, if you would please, um, I'm going to allow this, uh, the, Dr. Fauci to respond. The last time we had a committee or the time before, he was accusing me of being responsible for the death of five, four to five million people which is really irresponsible. And I say, why is he doing that? There are two reasons why that's really bad. The first is it distracts from what we're all trying to do here today is get our arms around the epidemic and the pandemic that we're dealing with, not something imaginary. Number two, what happens when he gets out and accuses me of things that are completely untrue is that all of a sudden that kindles the crazies out there and I have life that threats upon my life, harassment of my family and my children with obscene phone calls because people are lying about me. Now, you know, I guess you could say, well, that's the way it goes. I can take the hit. Well, it, it, it makes a difference because as some of you may know, just about three or four weeks ago, on December 21st, a person was arrested who was on their way from Sacramento to Washington, D.C., at a speed stop in Iowa. And they asked, the police asked him where he was going, and he was going to Washington, D.C. to kill Dr. Fauci. And they found in his car an AR-15 and multiple magazines of ammunition because he thinks that maybe I'm killing people. So I ask myself, why would Senator want to do this? So go to Rand Paul website and you see fire Dr. Fauci with a little box that says contribute here. You can do $5, $10, $20, $100. So you are making a catastrophic epidemic for your political gain. You are making a catastrophic epidemic for your political gain. You're a grifter. It's amazing how evil these people are. This is, this is cauterized evil. Don't forget it, folks, and don't let them fool you about all of this. It is evil. Anyhow, what I wanted to talk about was voting rights and uh, the, the, the subject today was supposed to talk about inequality. I'm going to put all of that into one context here. And it goes as follows. Um, yesterday, if you remember, I, and in fact, I'm cutting that piece right now. I did a part where I said um, we were talking a little bit about whether Republicans were more racist than Democrats and all of that. And I said, nope, they're all the same. It's all the same. But, uh, but intellectually speaking, uh, Democrats really go ahead and put out policies that are anti-racist, etc., etc. Republicans generally just don't care. They like to put their heads in the sand. But as far as from a human nature, they're all the same, right? Democrats and Republicans. I'm talk I deal with people on an individual human basis, not an individual party basis, but there are their contrasts. And why do I say that? Uh, El Senor Biden is out there in Georgia right now talking big about voter rights. But Biden spoke in all his in, in all his speeches over the last year. 
He's spoken, he's done the voter rights things speech twice. He's done uh, the pandemic about 60 something times. And he's done the Build Back Better about 30 something times. Okay? Two times for voter rights. But that is not the only thing I'm talking about. The truth of the matter is the most, we cannot possibly get the things that we need as a society that helps all past if we don't have support from all Americans, especially those who are aggrieved. And we know that those who are aggrieved are the ones that have the hardest time voting. They have to go to work. So they have a very small window under which to vote. Even those states that have long voting periods, a lot of times those voting periods are the times when these people have to go to work, find somewhere to put their kids, all of that. So with the restrictions that these different governments are now, Republican governments are putting on people for their vote, to restrict their vote, it is making it more difficult. It should not be difficult for the president to go to every Democrat and say, this is what we stand for. We stand for everybody having equal rights to the vote. But the truth of the matter is, as we have spoken of many times, is that there is a faction within both parties that are pretty much all in one the same. They're the ones that are subservient to the plutocracy. If you think it is just mansion and cinema that's holding this thing back, dream on. They're, uh, dream on. The corporatocracy and many Democrats themselves do not want a strong progressive base because having a strong progressive base means the destruction of the plutocracy. It means equitable. It means equity. It means that we are fighting for everybody having equal access to success. It means that the, the paradigm that we have today where everything goes to the top, has to change. Why? Because it makes things fairer. Fairer. Get my accent right. Get things fairer. Now, the subject of today's discussion was supposed to be, and still is, inequality. The economist comes out and he says that inequality, automation, has really zoomed inequality. And why has automation zoomed inequality? As we need less people, we have more people competing for jobs. We're in an anomaly right now because we're just getting out of a pandemic. And getting out of a pandemic, there's a whole lot of jobs. There's a lot of restructuring that's happening. But let me, let me make this clear to all the workers that are so happy that workers are in command right now. And this is important. You know, right now, workers have the upper hand, right? We have the upper hand because they need us more. But don't be fooled. Automation is still coming online like crazy, and it's going to make for a much more efficient system that needs much less people in, much fewer people in the labor force. And what is that going to do? If we don't change policies, if we don't change laws, what that will mean is that as we are able to fire more people because we don't need them, there are more people competing for less, fewer jobs. And if more people are competing for fewer jobs and you've got to have a job and you are ensured that the policies that progressives really want, because remember this, we want basic income so that an economic system itself cannot cause your death. 
That's what basic income is. Basic income says that we, we, basic income says that we cannot allow the flaws within an economic system to cause your death, to cause your poverty, to cause your homelessness, to cause all of that. So therefore, a basic income ensures that nothing that we design within our economic system can hurt you. Because right now, capitalism hurts you. Right? So I don't mind. You can call it whatever the hell you want to call it. Call it capitalism. Call it whatever. As long as you have processes in that system that ensures that humanity is maintained. Call it whatever the hell you want to call it. But right now, with automation and all these other issues, inequality increases because those who control automation, remember, we all invested in the universities. We all invested in the design. NIH for medicine, uh, the natural sciences, and all these different parts of our government invested in, in, in increasing our knowledge, our professors that are paid out of the, the coffers of your tax dollars. All of us inputted into that. Now, as we created new things and as we became more efficient, who takes advantage of the efficiency? Those who then capitalized on it, capitalism. Those who bought the professors at universities to capitalize on the different products that's being made that's going to put you out of a job. The laws, however, if progressives were to reign, would say, look, if you want to keep that mechanism going, fine. But we will have a basic income for other people to survive. We will have everybody having health care. We will have everybody having family leave. We'll have all these things in place so that no matter what kind of economic system you've got, humanity is maintained. Humanity is maintained. And that is why when I talk about uh, when I talk about Democrats and Republicans alike, those that call themselves the moderates, those of them that call themselves in the center, they are nothing more than the guardians of the gates of the plutocracy. Ironically, those on the right fringe and the left, and, and those on the left, the progressive and the right fringe, they actually have something in common. Egberto, why do you always try to keep the right, those right crazies as part of you, of your family as well. Because we all share the same ills. We share the same issues that are going to affect us all. It's just that those on the right have been convinced, have been hoodwinked, have been fooled, have been, many of them, willfully ignorant because they brought in many other things. That, that's the issue. Okay, I, I just saw something that says I admitted an error. Norman Reynolds says, Thanks, Egberto, for admitting your error. There are racists all over our society, including both parties, but there are no anti-racists in the GOP that one can count on while the Democratic Party is not only the only party in this country that is publicly and demonstrably pro-democratic and racist tenants. Oh, did I not... Have I been saying something other than this before, Norman? Um, you gotta, you gotta remind me where I said that because I don't think I've really changed my stance. Maybe I've changed the way I've expressed it, but I don't think I've changed it. But I've, if I made an error sometime and said it differently, 
then I, I stand corrected. But no, I've always believed what I just said. This isn't new in my... In fact, I think if you take a look at... Uh, I think it's even inside of my book. How, uh, it's worth it how to talk to your right-wing relative, friends, and neighbors. I think I've said that in, this book, in that book. So I don't know, Brother Norman. So tell me where, where you think I've said, I've, I've said it incorrectly before. And I'll, I'll go ahead and correct it wherever I need to correct it. Anyhow, so that is a monologue as far as... Or the soliloquy as far as uh, income inequality created by automation and how it needs to be mitigated via progressive policy. And it is not only Republicans, but Democrats alike that are preventing that from occurring. That is the reason why Build Back Better won't pass. Build Back Better is just, a, it's just the beginning. Build Back Better is just the beginning. And we can't pass a $1.8 trillion. It needed to be $14 trillion. And we can afford it, by the way. Ask Stephanie Kelton about the $800 billion slack in the economy every year or some, something. I don't know what the slack is right now. Before we start making it inflationary, meaning there are too many dollars chasing for products. But there are certain things that it shouldn't matter as far as dollars chasing product. I mean, healthcare and, certain, and food and energy, that should be, there should be no issues there. So it's important that we understand these issues. Okay, I've got six minutes, so let me go ahead and get to you guys. Now, you guys are the most important part of the show. All right, let's see. Norman Reza, people say who? Okay, let's, I think I got that one already. May what's, uh, Paul Pemis says, Paul, I'm not laughing, I'm pitying. So many Americans have been lied to so much and so often that they can't distinguish truth from falsehood anymore, and they don't want to fact check. To, I mean, sometimes it's just tedious. They're just tired. Brother Fleming, they're just tired sometimes. Rodney says, Egberto, yes, Manchin, Cinema, and the entirety of the Republican Party are holding back most necessary government action. And yes, there's a fraction of the Democratic Party who are letting Manchin and Cinema take the heat for the obstruction. Exactly, Senor Rodney. Egberto, I often say that 50% of profits from automation should be democratized. I agree so wholeheartedly because we paid for that automation, Senor Rodney, as, as over half the jobs are automated in the next 20 years, whether the people thrive or starve will be determined in large part by who owns the machine. Muchas gracias. That's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, right now they do, but the job place will switch back to So enjoy your time off from work. Oh, right, look. Uh, no, 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 no. I think you missed the point, Eric. Again, stop looking at it through ideological eyes and start looking at it through human eyes. Ideological eyes are dangerous. Human eyes actually protect all of us. Carl Cox says, automation kills jobs. Too much automation, that is. I, I want too much automation because I want the work. We, as we get more automation and more jobs are gone, it's, we can't look at it as, oh, we need to keep things inefficient so that people would have jobs. We need to say, let's make things as efficient as possible so people can have a, 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 a lower work week. Instead of a 40-hour work week, let's go to a 20-hour work week and with more people working. And that way you spend more time with your families. Whatever happened to the family values people? Isn't that a family values thing? Hey, efficiency means we, we automated, we can work less hours each person, and that means you spend that much more time with your family. Family values, right? Carl Cox says, Gilberto, college has started back up. Uh, we'll, we'll be late or miss some of your podcasts. Paul, Carl Cox, you're going to miss some of my podcasts, Carl Cox? Well, actually, you're missing the live program. The podcast is there to be watched at your convenience. Please always remember that. And please, folks, please share it. Love you guys for sharing it all the time. 
Eric says, Gilberto, it's inflationary now. Say you got 4% raise, but 7% inflation raise. First of all, um, the inflation rate at 7% is dependent. It's, it's a totality. You can fight your way around that. But that's it. Uh, that, that point is given. 4% increase in raises, 7% in inflation. That is inflationary, and that is horrendous. Uh, I'm not going to try to put a, a lipstick on that pig at all. Sorry, you're right. Uh, Crocox, neocon politicians only believe in helping the mega rich, mega corporations, and the military industrial complex. What I don't see, I always talk about, um, you know, being in business or doing well in business does not require that you have a whole lot of intellect, right? The truth of the matter is you can go ahead and have, uh, in a, if you can't see that eventually you cannot survive if you progressively get more people poor and pissed off at you that the pitchforks are going to come, then I'm sorry, there's a problem that you have with your, your own intellect, brothers and sisters. Eric Hayes says, oops, I lost that. There we go. Brian Miner says, new right-wing therapy on NLCC is transgender. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Okay. Nanette Birdsmith says, Eric Hayes, yet who controls wage increases? Thank you, um, Nanette Birdsmith. You hit the nail on the head. Paul Fleming says, I've sent my picture to Egberto. Okay, I didn't see the, the thing coming in. So while you're talking, Paul Fleming, I'm going to go ahead and see if I saw that picture come in. Because as it is, maybe it came in on another channel. But you know what, Paul? No matter what it is, even if I don't get it up right now because I didn't see it, I want to see your picture, Eric Hayes. I see a chat from Eric Hayes. I don't see one from you. Maybe it's on the, the um, Politics Done Right channel. Uh, I'll, I'll check that out. I tell you what, Paul, tomorrow we're, gonna, we're having a show as well, and your picture is gonna, with the mug is going to be the first thing on the show Maniana, because it doesn't look like I am looking at another screen right now to see if I see it from Paul. I see it from Paul. You know, I promised you to put it on today, and I, I like to keep my promises. You know, I'm not a Republican, or I'm not a. I'm not a. Uh, let's see. I, no, the last one came in from Tiala Wilson. Paul, uh, where did you send it? Where did you send it, Paul? I want to see it, Paul. I'm looking, Paul. <laughs> I'm looking, Paul. I'm looking through the chat to see if I see not only the chat. All right, Paul. Uh, send it to info at politicsandright.com. Info at politicsandright.com. I'll prepare it. And you are going to be the star of the screen tomorrow. Mañana. I promise you. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Peggy Lopez says, again, in 1970s, I had a class called the Sociology of Leisure, discussing these times of automation and how to take care of the population. One school was basic income, the other was debt. <laughs> I, I like the school of basic income. But look, here's the deal. I don't want us, I don't want us to stop automation. I want us to get automation to the max. I want to get to the point where as much as can be automated that doesn't affect humanity or our well-being gets done, Right? Because as we automate, if we do it correctly, it, think about this. We talk about latchkey kids. We talk about the kids, both parents having to work right now to pay the bills. Think about automation now, where we can reverse all those things that used to happen before. 
Tom C says automation would ideally reduce the employee work hours without decreasing income, but employers want automation to cut hours away from uh, to cut cut hours and wages from employees to reduce expense and increase profit. And that's the killer. They want they want that money for themselves. They take all the spoils. We create the automation. We design. We create. And they take the spoils. Look, folks, that's not how it's supposed to be. We're at the end of the show. It's 5 o'clock already. Or at 4 o'clock in Houston. Wow. Man, it goes fast. Listen, let me, let me do the quick thing again. Folks, please remember, uh, support the show. We need your support. How can you support the show right now? Just go ahead. If you're on YouTube, click that Join button. Become a part of the PDR Posse. Become a part of the PDR Posse like Brother Fleming did today. Uh, you can also, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, you can also um, go ahead and go to politicsandright.com slash YouTube if you don't have the join button, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. You can alternatively go to politics and, hey, you're leaving us, uh, Senor Rodney. politicsandright.com slash patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, politicsandright.com slash patron. Or you can support us via PayPal, politicsandright.com slash PayPal. I have to do this every single time because... We have to have the income flow to keep this stuff going, folks. So I got to ask everybody who can support making sure the truth is told out there to support us. Politicsandright.com slash store. Politicsandright.com slash store is where you get our products. And politicsandright.com slash books to get our books. And the last one, the all-in-one support. Politicsandright.com slash support gives you all the options that you have folks love you all i could not do this without you you are responsible for helping us get the progressive message out you are responsible for ensuring that we get the internet seated not only myself but many others seated with messages progressive truths and by the way i have a surprise for you guys from one of our own tom c is a poet and Tom C. came to our Ask Egberto Anything with a poem. And I am going to be fixing that poem up into a blog and bringing it to all of you all. Because you know what? It is wonderful having engaged viewers, engaged participants like you guys are always engaged. My name is Egberto Willies. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.